0: And that was my mission, was to get the Dutch copy. All right, if I don't get it there, I'll go there. And then I'll go there, and then I'll go there. So I went to one shop that was amazing, uh, that's called Concerto. If you're ever in Amsterdam, Concerto Records, to my mind, best record shop in Amsterdam. Can't touch it, unreal. But I went to a tacky little second-hand place out near the Rijksmuseum, and I went in there and he had three in the back oh, like that. Like, did he know bang, that he was sitting on bang, gold? Did he bang. know? Was, was well, he like- The thing is, is there's no value to anyone but nutcases that's like true. me. That's
1: This is Totally Obsessed with Dan Debooth. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Hello and welcome back after a few months break to a new year, a new exciting, totally obsessed with Dan Debooth. It's me, Dan good G'day everyone. Um, I'm hesitant to call this... Season 2 of the podcast, I feel like it's more just a continuation of Totally Obsessed just after a brief hiatus and what a great guest to kick off episode 20, Phil Jupitus in town in Melbourne for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. He opens tonight, the 17th of April and he's on for two more nights, Thursday and Friday. The show is called Sassy Knack, it's at Max Watts at 9.45pm, and I think you should definitely check it out, and I can say that having spent an afternoon with the guy, because his energy and enthusiasm and indeed obsession is infectious. You might know him from QI, uh, from Nevermind the Buzzcocks, you can probably assume that he's obsessed with music and also trivia, but seriously, the depth of the enthusiasm and passion he has is intoxicating. There were times in this podcast, in this interview, where I was literally just smiling and nodding with joy, just watching his amazing obsession for this one particular album unfold. The album is called Do It Yourself. It's by Ian Jury and The Blockheads. And the effect this album has had across Phil's life is just amazing. From him many years ago as a kid purchasing that first album... Uh, His mum was the one who recommended the band to him, through to him meeting Ian Durian, having an amazing mum-related moment with him that comes at the end of the podcast, to actually singing with the band and going on tour with them. I'll put a picture up on my Twitter, at Dan DeBoof, but an entire wall of Phil's kitchen is devoted to covers of this album. He'll explain in the podcast why they're so rare, but he's travelled the world going to record stores trying to find these album covers every second of this podcast the journey is just great and it just proves the point that I had when I started this podcast that interesting and creative people get interested about interesting things and it shapes who they are so like I said he's at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival as we speak That said, I don't know when you're listening to this, but if it's somewhere in the middle of the second last week of April, then sure, yep, he is. Okay, well, it's good to be back, and it's great to be able to spend some time with such an amazing comedian all the way from the UK, Phil Jupitus. Let's get into it. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan (laughs) DeBoof.
0: I've gone for a very uh, specific obsession. Cause when I, was, I was told to come on. I thought, "Well, let's told let's go for I thought, Didn't you request? I was instructed, <laughs> and I was told seriously <laughs> that the gun was at my temple. I could feel the cold steel pressing against. The, Gentle skin.
1: What um, was the argument for it? Oh, you've got to have a podcast with this guy. He's yeah, amazing. It <laughs> was
0: It was really... That's how much power you wield, young man. I don't think <laughs> you're fully aware of how... But no, it's... <laughs> my reputation proceeds. It, it does indeed. It does Dan DeBoer. Oh, I've got to get this one. <laughs> we have to have, to have that. <laughs> um, no, it was... Uh, and they said it's about obsessions and um, being um, uh, someone of my nature. There are a few as you might imagine. But I thought that I'd go for an obsession that's quite timely. Uh, so we're in the year 2019, as we record this. It is the month of April. Uh, on the 18th of May of this year, it will be the 40th anniversary of the release of the album Do It Yourself by Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Now, this was the second album uh, that uh, Jury released um Subsequent to um, his time with the band Kilburn and the High Roads, uh, it was his second album of uh, writing uh, songs with uh, his, uh, it has to be said, his most um, uh, successful co-writing partner uh, was Chaz Jankel. Uh, Chaz Jankel, an absolutely extraordinary uh, musician, uh, who in the, this album, it has to be said, was responsible sort of for the dissolution of that musical partnership oh is
1: this a like a classic like the album that tore Uh, the band apart Yes, so
0: in a way I mean it was the band certainly that saw uh, Chaz and Ian uh, uh, breaking up and Chaz going off and doing his own thing which I mean Chaz went on subsequent to this uh, album Chaz went on to work uh, with Quincy Jones okay Uh, Chaz uh and Quincy uh, Jones
1: who um last year had that documentary and mm. gave that amazing interview where he oh just God. slagged off everyone. Absolutely yeah.
0: incredible. I, I, love, I love I can't wait to reach that 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 age. <laughs> that burberry age where you just do not give a fuck about <laughs> anything. Yeah. You just you will say just what is coming out of your head. It's the day you your pension really kicks
1: in, isn't it? Or you 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 Your uh, superannuation. I suppose that's it. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. When it, when it. I mean, who and who amongst us here would have thought that we'd be having a chat about Quincy Jones's pension? But um, (laughs) Quincy recorded. um, uh, um, Chaz Jankel wrote "I Know Carrera," you know, "I Know Carrera," which Quincy had a huge hit with. Yeah, Chaz wrote that. And uh, to be honest, Quincy's recording of it as did um, Chaz very well indeed. But um, but before all this, yes, it was prior Chaz to this, so he was Ian Chaz Jankel worked with Ian Jury, uh, wrote um, a bunch of the uh, the best songs on the, uh, the first sort of sort of seminal Ian Jury album, New Boots and Panties, uh, and then that band that Ian uh, toured with, um, kind of by accident, acquired the name the Blockheads. Okay, and then so they became Ian Jury and the Blockheads after the Stiffs live stiffs tour and so new boots and panties was like ian jury new boots and panties and then the blockheads sort of became his backing band now the blockheads were charlie charles the drummer the late charlie charles uh, mickey gallagher on keyboards johnny turnbull on guitar norman watroy on bass davy payne on saxophone Chaz Jankel guitar keyboards can i ask are they your favorite band um, they're up there with one of them. I think. I think narrowing down to a favorite band it for someone that's brutal, that loves isn't music. It. Convert, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I could give you a bunch of bands yeah. that meant uh, the world to me. The Specials, uh, the members uh, completely changed how I viewed music. The members introduced me to dance
1: music. The okay. Clash. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, basically, but in the pantheon, they're up there.
0: Noisy white political men. <laughs> um, Weird, right? Who I would know, have thought? Who knew? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but but that certainly. Hey, like, you're not a man. <laughs> they, uh, you know, what did we know? We were kids. Feminism hadn't been invented yet. Uh, Joke.
1: Sometimes sometimes I think the same. Uh, I look at like Monty Python. And like oh, when God. I was a kid, I was like, God, oh. that was so iconoclastic. Now it's literally like just the most predictable thing ever. And it seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, I went to see them live
0: and there was something sort of... You were happy that you'd seen them do it live. But mm. there was something, there was something it's kind of empty about it. It seemed a little... And certainly... Terry Gilliam's demeanour on stage <laughs> <laughs> led to. Well, I just did to, not want to be there. It was like, I got that feeling. But anyway, no, you know, let's I'm not. Yeah, let's not, let's not let's slag him off. About yeah. that. <laughs> I'll leave that one to but, the press. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Ian Jury. Weirdly, my mum was a big fan as well. Um, oh. It was at that time. She was a fan of his because she found out that he went to um, the art school up the road from her art school. There were two um, South West Essex Tech my mum went to and there was an art school up the road that Ian Jury went to before he went on to study uh, in Canterbury um, under Peter Blake. Uh, And so Ian Ian was uh, uh, was a student up the road. And they they had mates in common. Uh, My mum knew some people who Ian knew. And so she she didn't actually remember him, but she when he, she heard him being interviewed, uh, and in an interview he mentioned a friend of hers, and she was like, oh, I know, this. wow, this is Joe Snowden. She he knew Joe Snowden, and so um, and so she then she had, it tied her in, she, she didn't give her monkeys about punk or anything. Oh, okay, really cool. So it wasn't like you yeah, had some is, punk rocker mum or well, something like that, yeah. But the funny thing is about the Blockheads is, is there they were, they were really, and Jury, you have to understand, you know, that without Ian Jury, you wouldn't have had madness. You certainly, um, I think that uh, John uh, Johnny Rotten learned a lot about uh, presence and being mm. a front man. Johnny Rotten used to watch Kilburn and the High Roads. I think, you know, he Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols was yeah. playing along at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that he learnt a lot from Jewry, mm. you know. And so you've got the blockheads and they're this band and they've got the New Boots and Panties, incredible album, unbelievable songs, but there's a there's a groove to it. It's you know, the whole thing of punk and it being three chords and former band and really basic and not at all proficient. The Blockheads ran completely counter to that ethic. Okay. The Blockheads were an unbelievably muso heavy band of ex hippies. Ah. They were really extraordinary. Norman Watt Roy, to my mind, is probably one of the best bass players on the planet right now. I mean, next level. Unbelievable to watch. You know, an absolute. Um, Devoted acolyte of Jaco Pastorius. Okay. You know, and
1: I got—I ch- was a bass player back in high school. Yeah. And that was sort of like you know the Red Hot Chili Peppers boom. Yeah, So yeah. I've always—oh yeah—Flea's you know, been the one up on the pedestal yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah,
0: but if you and, and I can completely see where that comes from, but if you, I I I used to because I sang with the Blockheads for a while. So, oh, sorry, after, okay. Sorry what? I I um, when When you it, named
1: the band members before, you were conspicuously absent. No, yeah. No.
0: No, well Ian, uh, after Ian died, they they kind of they were in a bit of a sort of oh. limbo state. They didn't know what to do and um they did a few gigs and they asked me to DJ at one of the gigs. Yeah, all right. And um weirdly, um there was a big after Ian had died, we had a there was a big gig um called brand new boots and panties. We did this night this benefit night for Ian's cancer charity and the blockheads played and it was like an Ian karaoke night. and ah, a load okay. of sort of celebrity fans and people that Ian knew. Uh, there was a lovely moment the gig opened uh uh with um with his girlfriend who he wrote the song wake up and make love with me. She sang that song. Oh, the that's girlfriend beautiful. Who he written yeah. the song about. Yeah. It was a lovely moment. And and all sorts of things, you know, Billy uh, um, sorry, Kathy Burke sang Bill Ricky Dickie, uh, Billy Ricky Dicky, uh, because Billy Bragg couldn't make the gig. Uh Keith Allen was there. Uh Robbie Williams yep. sang oh, wow. Sweet Gene Vincent. Um Madness, uh, uh sang a bunch of numbers. Uh, it was a great night. I was fortunate enough to sing Reasons to be Cheerful Part three. And um and so uh, So you know all the lyrics off my so heart. Yeah, yeah this is Somebody, it's oh, one of those it's one, of those, it's one of those, we didn't me, start, start the fire. Do huh? Don't <laughs> make me do it at Bit you, don't let me do it at you. slap and tickle. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was kind of offensive to your people, sorry. It is. Um, and um, so yeah, they uh, uh, they asked me, a DJ, that, so they decided to do their first ever gig after Ian and died, because uh, they didn't know, you know, when you've not got your singer, what you do. Mm. And so they kind of did a gig where... Mm and they kind of took turns singing and they were getting the feel of it and it was weird and it was kind of also bittersweet because you felt the absence of the man um, Mickey Gallagher said to me at the end uh, um, sort of halfway um, before the gig halfway through their sound check, Mickey called me over he went he went he went Phil could you do us a favour mate and I'm like <laughs> what what he went um, at the end of the show could you come up and sing three songs because we just want to really play and we it's easier for us to play and not think about the singing. And I'm like, You want me to sing what? And he went, Could you sing Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll? And could you sing Hit Me with Your Rhythm Stick? And could you sing Reasons Again? And I'm like, Yeah, I think I could do that. That's one amazing. Of my, one of my favourite bands ever asked me to get up with them.
1: Have you ever sung in a band
0: before? No, not really. Oh no. My Bits and Lord. bobs. I mean, the thing is, when you're on stage is that i think that comedians and poets are they're like the front people of bands, but yeah. just
1: who have no social skills. Did you, did you, when you were a kid, want to sing in a band, but did comedy instead? Yeah, but you
0: you want in that there's a, there's a, there's a desire where you assume it won't happen. So yeah, no. So we got to, so we got to um, sing and they, they started phoning me up and going, oh, we're doing the gig if you want to come along and do it again. And then I'd, I'd been doing that for about a year and just from time to time going along and singing with them. And then they phoned up and they said, look, we're doing an actual tour, a UK tour for the 30th anniversary of the release of New Boots and Panties. Would you come and do the singing for us? And so we performed the whole album and I, I uh, did that tour alongside uh, Del The Draw, who is the Blockhead singer now, uh, who does a magnificent job and is writing songs with them as well. Um, and so I got to do that. Uh, and so I, I'm, in the wake of Ian's death, I developed a quite close relationship with the Blockheads. But going back to... Um, so here we are back in 1979 yeah okay and the release of do it yourself now this is an album uh, and again I would say that do it yourself if you are listing um, greatest British jazz funk albums of all time do it yourself is top three top three absolutely extraordinary songwriting brilliant playing um, uh, Produ- produced by uh, I think it was by Jazz- Chaz Jankel co-produced it with I think Laurie Latham um, incredible playing and songs and everything uh, and uh, Ian was a very uh, single minded shall we say <laughs> uh, individual <laughs> Are and you? is Ian, this leading up to the, the Ian, split Ian refused to uh, have singles that they made on albums Ah, so okay. he was like, no, the single is a completely separate entity to the album. The album, we don't take things off the album. Remember, the singles the singles and albums are albums. They're different things. What
1: are your thoughts on that opinion? Well,
0: I think it costs them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it costs them in terms of sort of sales and all manner of things. But I kind of, I, I like a, I like a like truculent <laughs> stubborn individual especially with got, related to it, yeah, yeah. like an artistic
1: who, opinion someone who yeah.
0: sets a rule you know and that was his rule and so uh, those amazing singles that they made never featured on albums so like what a waste uh reasons to be cheerful you know well the two never. I think of are uh, reasons to
1: be cheerful and, and hit me with your rhythm stick they're the two that I know
0: yeah never on an album now interestingly so a few. A few foreign licensees managed to without. I don't think with Ian's knowledge, because if he'd he had been furious, he'd found yeah. out. You can. I think the Australian licensees for stiff put um, "Sex, and Drugs, and Rock and Roll" on uh, "On New Boots and Panties," and that was never on new boots. And I have seen a pressing of um, "Do It Yourself." I think there's a pressing of "Do It Yourself" that you that came with a free copy of. So the single was in with the album.
1: Ah, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So another interesting
0: thing about uh, about this album, it's an amazing album, and it was released by a, a, an iconic British label called Stiff Records, and uh, the um, the chap that ran Stiff Records was a, a bit of a maverick in the business and a bit of a, you know, should we say a delightfully shady figure called Dave <laughs> Robinson, lovely man, <laughs> lovely man, and I say that as someone that has. Uh, that has met him socially, but people that have worked with him may have a different opinion. Anyway, <laughs> he was a nice bloke when I met him, uh, and uh, he ran Stiff Records. And Stiff Records at the time they were a really quirky label. They were really different. They were they had these weird slogans like "If it ain't stiff, it ain't worth a fuck." Uh, these 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 badges. They used to all sort of branding and badges. Stiff was as much as a star as the label as the artist they put out. The 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 and he. Uh, Stiff was one of the first labels to do like a, a label showcase tour like in the 60s labels would put out all their stars on one bill and so Stiff put out a tour in uh, 1978 I think it was the uh, Stiff's Live Stiff's tour uh, was Injury in the Blockheads, Reckless Eric Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe um, Nick Lowe Dave Edmonds and Larry Wallace uh, all of the artists who were on Stiff at the time okay. all went out on tour together I have spoken to Costello about that tour he said it was fucking hellish uh, <laughs> there was all constant arguments about who should be headlining each night I mean unbelievable and five bands five fucking bands on oh yeah. you know who all wanted to be headlining oh my god so yeah ructions let's put it that way <laughs> so um, but yeah so Stiff amazing label that always had a slightly off-kilter attitude to, to how to market their acts and so forth now, there was a very, very talented artist who did a lot of the design work for Stiff. He came up with slogans and things as well, a brilliant uh, uh, um, graphic artist, no longer with us sad, called Barney Bubbles. Okay. And Barney was the in-house designer at Stiff Records, and he was an amazing dude. And so Stiff went to him and said, oh, Ian's done this new album. It's going to be called Do It Yourself. And I've not been able to find out um, and I must, weirdly I could have made a phone call and found this out quite easily but um, who came up with the concept so do it yourself think about it the answer called do it yourself yeah. DIY do it yourself and so they came up with the idea I know what we could do if we have a template for the artwork on the cover that says do it yourself Ian Jury and the blockheads and then the track listing and just have that printed the same on every sleeve your background to the information could be different wallpapers okay and so they contacted Crown, the wallpaper company in the UK, and said, Do you have any discontinued wallpaper patterns we can use for album sleeves? And Crown, and they said, We'll put a little credit for the number on you and we'll thank you'll get <laughs> so, a thank you.
1: Yeah, what is, Cra- is Crown like? Crown like is a manufacturer of wallpaper. It's just a low a key, like yeah, one factory just little, somewhere. Yeah,
0: just a little wallpaper oh, company. That's Crown brilliant. Wallpaper used yeah, to be yeah. the biggest. And so they went, Yeah, okay, we've got these 10 patterns we don't use anymore. And so Barney. Uh, Put so so they did these ten different sleeves, and so when the album was released, yeah, you could buy it in ten different covers, which I only discovered after I went to. Uh, oh, I bought a co- I bought my copy when it came out. So back seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. seventy nine. So I bought it maybe the second week after it had been released, and I went down to Godfrey's Records in Basin and bought my copy. Went home, loved it, and I was in the record shop again about six weeks later, and I saw Do It Yourself a completely different sleeve. And I'm like, fuck, an import, Jesus. Oh God, maybe it's a different version. Maybe it's got other tracks on it. And I went up to the camera and went, mate, mate, this what's is- What's going like, on? Yeah, you yeah. Yourself the other way, completely different cover. And this guy was sort of stood there with his arms crossed. And I went, what was, is it a different version? Is it an import? What is it? And he went, and "He went, no, he knows 10 different sleeves. And I'm like, what? He went, there's 10 different sleeves. Wow. And I thought, oh wow, that's amazing. That's Christmas. That's you know, really, that's extraordinary. Now at the time, of course, being a kid, I was still at college. Uh, I had no money and I had a girlfriend died to please and so I it's not <laughs> like a and I wasn't I didn't have a sort of collecting mentality but I always remembered oh wow they did those different sleeves and then uh, so as time went on and I got older and I was chatting and I remember and you used to talk to people and I'd block it I oh, remember do it yourself they did 10 different sleeves and I was in a second hand record shop and I think I might have been on tour and I think by this time I might have been um, you know working as a stand up I saw, another, I saw one in a second hand shop for like four quid and it had the other sleeve I went oh fuck it I'll get that
1: so that's you on the cliff right you're on the cliff and, and you're going see, I see a different one and I go alright oh, uh, okay all yeah right, I'll pick it up I'm not going to fall down this slippery slope. and then slide. I got another Yep. and then I got another and then I got, and I got
0: seven and I got seven different ones Yeah. and I just got them all in second hand shops and this was in the late 80s early 90s and then there was a, a, um, a dear friend of mine, um, a, a comedian, many of you may, well, you may remember him from Nevermind the Buzz the original host, Mark Lamar. Oh, yeah. Mark was a huge record buyer and big fan of, uh, of buying uh, records and things. And Mark came around my house one day and he went, I knew you were collecting these, I'll pick these up for you. He gave me 11 more. So now... You have 18 I'm, of so now, 10. I've got, now I've got 18. So, and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. hang on, there are 10. Where did these other ones come from? So I did a little bit of investigating and digging. And what happened was, was that Stiff told all the foreign licensees what they were doing. They said, right, we've done this thing in the UK where we get different wallpaper oh. patterns and we're doing this and you are more than welcome to do your own sleeve for do it yourself. Now, lots of people went, fuck that, we'll just take yours. Yeah, sure. But a bunch of label people were like, that's a brilliant idea. Let's join we'll in on the that. fun. Yeah. So, uh France did uh, three, I think. Germany did four. Uh, Belgium did two. The Netherlands did six. So there were all over the world. Australia did its own one, just one. New Zealand did one. Um, uh, South Africa and, uh, interestingly, contentious political countries. South Africa (laughs) and Israel had very similar patterns, but the Israeli cover, which was the last one I got and the most difficult to get, has Ian Jury written in Hebrew above oh. Ian Jury. So that's the only one that has a graphic difference in the actual text.
1: Wow, so and that was I, the holy grail. The so, yeah, the so yeah, so basically,
0: yeah. so it was the mid, late 90s I started kind of leaning into getting as many of these as I could. And then of course by, uh, by sort of 2005, 2006, I was researching online yeah I was able to go and there was a very devoted fan did a list of all of the different um covers that are available and i started chatting to the blockheads i was touring with the blockheads as well by this point and i was Surely like they
1: would have them all in some well, archive no, but or something the thing or... Is,
0: no well here's the thing is i said i thought someone must have them and no one i could find uh had all of them and so i was chatting to people uh I was like, how many are there? How many of these sleeves are there? And the Blockheads there's a there's a huge Blockheads fan from the Netherlands called Case. And Case reckons there are forty eight. But I think that what he's done is he's counting (laughs) what Case has done is he's counting all of the releases and he's counting catalogue numbers. Okay. So I think he's also counting uh for instance i think some of the south american releases they just took the british sleeve but it's got a south american catalog number yep. so i think there are 48 different editions but, but 30 or th- they have the same sleeves yeah so from my investigations <laughs> from my investigations there are i reckon and i think this is the final number actual ones you can buy in the shops i think there are 34. Now I've got all 34.
1: Oh, that is that why you think there's 34? No, 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 that's not it. Because you'd be I, desperate to find mate, out there's another one. Mate, Dan, I yeah. look
0: every week. I'm online looking for are oh, them Are oh, them Are oh, them i always. I had a fucking because I've recently just done the sleeve notes for the 40th anniversary reissue.
1: Oh, cool. Because I was interviewed by record collector look, about. I, honestly, about, I couldn't think of anyone better. Well, I was interviewed by record, record a collector about in the, the collection, and they
0: did. They did. They did the whole, you know, they did them all and they, they took a photo of them. And weirdly, um, Demon Records, who are doing the reissue, they, they, they phoned me up and they went, could we borrow your collection of sleeves? Because we, we want to do a version where you can uh, put your own sleeve in the front. You can have all 34 covers uh, and then choose which okay. one you have on the front. And you were like, no. And I, <laughs> no I'm very, imagine me, Dan i absolutely wanted to say that so it's just like so i just went i just went uh yeah fuck it why not and so i recently got them all back and so yeah and so my obsession well let me i'll show you how obsessed i am with it okay this there's some rare ephemera i have on me here so this is oh wow this is the blockheads tour do it yourself tour badge Oh, amazing. now the normal blockheads badge has a little Oh, where that splodger paint is. Oh. But they're saying, you know, that's the Do It Yourself Tour badge. Oh, yeah, because Do It Yourself splodge of paint makes sense. Splodger paint. And this is the promotional badge oh, made by wow. the American label for the release of Do It Yourself in How the United old are these? States. are So they're 40 years old. Wow, that is amazing. 1979, yeah. yeah Do you yeah. always
1: carry these around on your person?
0: I always keep them secreted somewhere safe. I don't want you to know where I was reaching under the table. <laughs> oh, no. I'll just... <laughs> pop them
1: back in there now. One day someone will shoot you and that bo- <laughs> <laughs> that'll save your life. Yeah.
0: It'll be saved by Min Blockheads badges I love so that you yeah.
1: I love that you got to do this sort of record store search both pre and post internet. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've seen the best of I both think worlds. What was
0: it well what there was a lovely I mean my favourite moment in the whole tour was um, me and the Mrs uh When the girls were away at university, me and my wife used to take weekends away, and I'd use it as do-it-yourself exploring trips. And so one of my (laughs) favourite days was we went to Amsterdam, and I got a great app on my phone that's called uh, The Vinyl District. I heartily recommend it to your listeners. Okay. Because it works here. It works right here. I can turn this on now. I'll turn on the Vinyl District right now, live on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen.
1: You are listening to someone, use their phone on a podcast. So the Vinyl
0: District, there's the app there on the top right-hand corner of my shopping apps. (laughs) So I'm turning it on, and it's booting up, and it's (laughs) going by, let me go with stores, and let me go with map view. And there is a map of us in Melbourne, and all those little diamonds there are record shops.
1: And ones that pass muster. Yeah. And yeah. That, And well, it's just it's just all of them. It's oh, just okay. all of them.
0: Now the thing is, is because it's it just goes on uh uh you are invited to register and record shops are like, no, we've got to be on this damn thing. Yeah, okay. And so everyone registers with it. I use this in Amsterdam and on the day I used this in Amsterdam, I got four copies of Do It Yourself that I didn't have. Far I got out. one of the Dutch, I got the Belgian a dutch a belgian one of the british ones what a have. day yeah oh that was amazing oh to get you would for. Have been giddy i was really happy that day and the thing is it's like is your wedding <laughs> what i done was what i done was was i got at uh i got i, I did a list of 10 shops that i was going to visit and i'm going to start here start here and then i'm going to go and i was only after the dutch copy yeah I'm going to start, and that was my mission was to get the Dutch copy. All right, if I don't get it there, I'll go there. And then I'll go there, and then I'll go there. So I went to one shop that was amazing uh, that's called Concerto. If you're ever in Amsterdam, Concerto Records, to my mind, best record shop in Amsterdam. Can't touch it. Unreal. But I went to a tacky little second-hand place out near the Rijksmuseum. And I went in there, and he had three in the oh. route, like that. Like, did he know bang. that he was sitting on bang. gold? Did he bang. know? Was but was well, he I, like? The thing is, is there's no value to anyone but nutcases That's like true. me. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a there's a bit of me. I mean, I've obviously I've got spares, and I think <laughs> obviously, now, yeah. If if I did a count of all the different covers I've got now, uh, I think
1: I've got seventeen doubles. Okay. Back at home. Have you got all of these like on your wall? yeah has your wife like let you did
0: did you not get the photo
1: no but is it it, what i was saying is is that on your wall like at home i've got yes on the kitchen wall all 34 of them are up how's your wife with that is that
0: (laughs) the thing is it's it's it's, you know i'm not on the crack
1: I'm not doing the heroin I think you know it's exactly of it's all the like, things to be addicted there are to.
0: Many worse habits a chap could have, yeah, than than buying records. And if if you them.
1: can't love me at my do-it-yourself, then you don't deserve <laughs> me at my world-famous comedian. It's, yeah,
0: so it, there you go, really. And it's just it's one of those odd little kind of a fascination that has. I mean it, when Demon phoned up and said we'd really like you to do the sleeve notes for do it yourself, I, I've never been quite so blown yeah. away in my life as kind of to have and also they're paying me and I don't see that as anything other than recouping my losses for <laughs> going to Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Buying, exactly. Yeah. Getting them
1: framed. <laughs> so Um, just one last question. Yeah. Um did you you know, you said you sung with the band after Ian Jury passed away. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm assuming... That, did you get to meet him? Oh,
0: God, yeah. I interviewed him uh, twice for the BBC. Yeah. Okay. And I knew him, and I
1: did charity events with him. And
0: um, All right. As, and actually, my favourite day ever was... Uh, Ian organised a charity night at um, uh, Walthamstow Dog Track. And uh, he was supposed to host it, and he wasn't feeling very well. He was, he was um, having chemo, and he was a bit, you know, worn down and uh, his manager Jamie phoned me up and went Ian said would you host it for him because he's not feeling well and I'm like, of course I fucking will absolutely yeah. and so I went in and Madness had a table Madness were there and Chaz and Dave were there it was a lovely night and I took my mum and my mum sat down and chatted to Ian Jury for half an hour and I've, um, I've got a photo somewhere that my dad took of my mum talking to Ian Jury and it's oh. one of
1: my favourite. That's amazing. One of my favourite moments. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want, I'm going to end the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> that's br- thank you so much for your time. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was really, really good fun. I love that you yeah. brought in props. What I love was You that? sent yeah. through visual aids. It was know. great.
0: You, you can take a photo of them and then, uh, and then we can pop it up. And then I'll also I'll send you a photo of the collection.
1: Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much.
0: Thanks, man. It was brilliant.
1: Totally obsessed with Dan Debooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan Debooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel, and the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Couturey.